Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. A little bit of a, a role reversal this week. Uh, Hoynes is back home in Cleveland, and I'm down in Miami on the road with the Indians. Hoynesy, good to talk to you. Good to, good to hear a, a friendly voice here uh, after being on the road for about five, six days. We, we, we've missed a lot in, in, in the last couple of weeks that we haven't talked, but uh, a lot going on for the Indians, the latest being Yesterday's victory over the the Marlins, uh, in which Trevor Bauer pitched seven innings, struck out ten, and picked up the win, and then decided to tell everybody that he thinks he sucks. What's your take on on the situation with Trevor? Uh, his his walks are up, but his strikeouts are about the same, and he, he he's looking every bit as dominant as a pitcher who expects to come in and compete for the Cy Young this year. Your take on Trevor and and his latest? Well, I think you know, Joe. He. We've seen this throughout his career. He, you know, he's 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 either great or he sucks. You know, so I mean, he's not. Uh, I think he's he's real critical of himself. He has a high bar for himself, and I also think, uh, you know, he, he he's dramatic. He's overly dramatic to a certain degree. I mean, you don't strike out ten guys in six innings and you know give up four runs, and your defense gives up two of them in the second inning because they're throwing the ball around, uh, and you. You know that's a, that's a decent outing. You know, so you won the game. You know, uh, how many times has he pitched well and lost? You know, did he suck then? I, I you know, I just think you got to go. You got to, you got you know, you have to like uh, just go for the win. The team won. I know he was glad about that. He's 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 pitched well. He's he's their best pitcher right now at this moment. He's their best, most consistent pitcher, and I think he should take uh, a lot of solace in that. Yeah, you know, there, there's nothing wrong in taking credit for for when you do have a good outing. Uh, and, and I understand trying to trying to be a perfectionist and trying to be uh, better. And he's right; he does have to be better if they're going to, you know, advance this year. If they're going to achieve their goals, he he can't have a, a walk rate, you know, up over four and a half like he's got. Uh, you know, but but I think over the course of the long haul, uh, things are going to balance out. You're going to see, you know, this is a guy who who entered the game yesterday with a, a sub two ERA. And, and that's, you know, hard to do in, in, in April in the American league. Uh, he was, he was right there about to finish the month of April with, uh, with an ERA below two. Uh, didn't happen, uh, but you know, he was on, on course for it. Uh, yeah, it, it's just, 
it's just so hard I, I, to, to read whether or not this is Trevor Bauer, you know, posturing, you know, trying to, you know, get people to rally is, is for sympathy for, for a, uh, an Amer- American League Cy Young vote. You know, this is a guy who's gone 60 consecutive starts without giving up more than four runs in any one of those starts. That's, you know, the next guy on the list, uh, the record is, is Greg Maddox with 106, and then it's Trevor Bauer. So uh, I, I think, you know, that's noteworthy. That's definitely something to, to hang your hat on and, and something you can go out every, every other start now and, and try to achieve. Yeah, and I think, you know, the fact he's thrown so many pitches the last few times out, that might be wearing on him a little. But, you know, this guy's their, their most consistent pitcher. He's going to give him six to seven to eight innings every time out. Uh, you know, I think he's developed into one of the best pitchers in the game. And uh, I don't think he has to beat himself up, you know, be, because of it. You know, I, would, would, he much, would he rather have a season like this year where he gets through it healthy, you know, and, and makes 33 starts? Or would he have last year where he was lights out but got hurt and uh, was struggling at the end of the year, you know, just to get back into the, into the rotation and into, onto the staff? If he makes 33 starts and does what he did last night, seven innings, 10 strikeouts. He's going to win 20, 22 games. He's going to win 20 games plus. He's going to win an American League Cy Young Award, and he's going to make $20 million plus in arbitration next year. That's, those, are, that is all, those are all very true statements, and it's unavoidable. It's like, it's like Thanos in the, uh, the Avengers. He's inevitable. And Trevor Bauer is inevitable. Uh, all right, uh, next up, a, a, a bit of good news, a bit of great news that comes out of this trip to Miami. And the reason that Mike Clevenger is on this road trip with the Indians in the first place, Mike Clevenger throwing at 60 feet uh, just uh, you know, less than three weeks after uh, going on the disabled list with the, the sprained muscle in his, his, uh, his back, the, the terrace major muscle on his right side. Uh, this is Mike Clevenger, who initially was thought to be lost for up to six to eight weeks before he could even pick up a baseball. Well, he picked up a baseball and he threw it at 60 feet, and he reported no pain, no problems. He's he, he the biggest issue for Mike Clevenger right now is that he wants to go out there and start firing BBs, and they're not going to let him. They're going to hold him back. But this is great news. Uh, yes, for for yeah the Indians and for Mike Clevenger. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, he's ahead of schedule, but, but Joe, we've seen this so many times before. Uh, that's why I think the trainers, are, they want to keep an eye on him. That's why he's on this trip, probably. They just don't want him doing too much too soon. You know, look, uh, look, what, look what they went through with uh, Lindor. You know, they thought he was going to make, you know, the first maybe miss two, three, four games, and then, you know, he, he gets hurt again. So, you know, just – the rehab itself is dangerous. Plus, you've got to you, eventually you've got to pitch in games. You've got to get your velocity up. So, you know, while this is a great step, you know, let's uh, uh, hopefully you know they can rein him in and and not let anything crazy happen. I, when I read that he wants to come back throwing 100 miles an hour, I kind of cringed. I I really I I don't think that, I mean great for him and you know I'm glad he's confident. And he's, you know, he's just going to, you know, jump back into the fire. But, you know, your arm is your arm. And uh, if, you, if, you, if you heard it once, it's trying to tell you something. Well, and he said yesterday, we talked to him about it. Um, he said it's different than coming back and, and rehabbing from the Tommy John surgery like he did. 
He said he knew there was going to be pain throwing with the, with the elbow surgery uh, at, at 60 feet, but he could get through that. The real test for him was getting out to 90 feet, and that's when he couldn't get on top of a ball and he couldn't really fire a ball at, at 90 feet. So, so he's looking forward to that next step in the progression of throwing at 90 feet. And once he does that, he'll, he'll have a better handle on how long it's going to take him. But Clev looks he, – he looks like, uh, you know, just happy to be around the team. And, and you know, he's bouncing around the clubhouse. He's, he's real excited and real active. So, uh, you know, it was all really good signs yesterday. Yes, as, as long as we don't see any setbacks between now and June 6th, the earliest that he can come off the 60-day DL, that was another thing that was asked of, of Terry Francona was, you know, was the decision to put him on the 60-day a, a good one? And, and you know, he and Clevenger both said there's no way that Clevenger can come back too early now. You know, he's, he's not yeah. coming back until at least June 6th. And if by then, you know, he's been a week or so, you know, past ready to come back and, and just, you know, sort of rehabbing and, and, and sort of extending and, and working on himself – uh, that's the best thing. Clevenger said, yeah, the hundred miles an hour thing. Uh, he says, that's the goal. He said with all the, uh, the extra time for him to work on lower body conditioning that, you know, he was, he was already going to hit that mark, uh, come, come the warmer months of the season. Uh, now it's just a certainty. He says, just because of the extra time he's going to be able to put it on his legs. All right. So well, hopefully so, God bless him. Let's, uh, you know, maybe uh, make the sign of the cross before he goes out there and well, uh, you know, just, uh, but you know, I think, yeah, the 60 day DL thing is a good thing. It protects Clevenger from himself and the Indians from themselves. So uh, maybe it gives them all an extra, some extra time. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, one more before we get to some, uh, some reader questions uh, we want to talk about uh, last night. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez and Carlos Santana. Uh, the two of them sort of had a, a meeting of the minds uh, over the weekend in in Houston that led to uh, Santana sort of getting back on track. This is Santana who was was hitting, you know, in the 450s with an OPS of about 13 uh, early in April uh, to through mid-April and then sort of start, started to fall off. It was great to, to see Carlos Santana who normally – just struggles through the early months of the season in, in April. Uh, we're used to seeing him start off really slow. This was a, a hot starting Carlos Santana that we'd never seen before. Using all fields, going the opposite way, beating the shift, hitting line drives the opposite way all, all over the place. Uh, then it sort of stopped for a couple of weeks. And now just since this, this past weekend, you know, he hits his 200th home run to the opposite field in Houston. He, uh, he goes upper deck yesterday with a solo home run here in uh, uh, Miami, and he credits Carlos Gonzalez afterwards with uh, sort, of, sort of talking him through some things and, you know, talking about his hands and, and, and positioning and being ready for the ball, and, and poof, uh, this is, you know, the, the Carlos Santana that we saw in the first couple of weeks. Uh, how much of, of, a, of an influence is, is this Carlos Gonzalez going to be on this, this Indians lineup for the rest of the season? Well, you know, it's so far so good, Joe. I mean, you know, he's, a, uh, you know, Gonzalez is a veteran guy. You know, I've heard nothing but good things about him. Uh, he, uh, you know, I like the story you wrote about him talking about Lindor, you know, how he, you know, a veteran guy recognizing a young, young talent like that. And, 
you know, that, that, that's, that's how you bring a team together. And I think talking to a guy like Santana, um, you know, it can only help. And, and, you know, it's just, uh, it's just the way ballplayers are most of the time. And the atmosphere is always good in the Cleveland uh, clubhouse, you know, uh, with, I think Frank Cohn and the coaching staff do a good job with that. And, uh, you know, they, they get good people. So, you know, I think this is, uh, you know, it's a good thing. It can, it can benefit both guys. Uh, you know, like you said, Santana, you know, has had this same approach since spring training, really, hitting the ball up the middle more, hitting for a higher average. You know, the power may be down, but, you know, he's still hitting with runners in scoring position. Now he's starting to hit some home runs. You know, I don't think, you know, we might see him. He might be the starting first baseman for the all-star team. Who knows? Yeah, and it, it helps when Gonzalez can get up there and crush a, a three-run homer as well. Uh, you know, it, it's good to get these these veteran clubhouse guys and the the you know like the Napoli's and the the Raja Davises. Uh, it looks like Gonzalez is that guy now who who's not just come in and uh, you know be, be, been an impact guy in the bat. I think he's hit he's hit in like nine out of twelve games he started. Uh, couple of multi-hit games. The power's starting to come around now. Once he gets his timing down with that big leg kick, you know, yeah. it, things could take off. But, you know, if he can back up that veteran, you know, wisdom and leadership with, you know, a, a bat that's that's producing, that's that's what the Indians have been, you know, looking for and, and banking on and hoping for and, and sort of missing this year. Yeah, you know, I was talking to him uh, on this last homestand, and he said uh, – you know, he's played right field for the last – almost exclusively for the last three, four years mm-hmm. with the Rockies. And uh, when he was in uh, Columbus on the last day before he came up to Cleveland, uh, you know, the, uh, they asked him to play left field. Tito, you know, called down and asked, uh, asked him to let him play left field some. And he had no problem doing that. And so, you know, and he's looked good in left field. He's played well in right field. You know, I, and I think, you know, an older guy like that, 33, 34, that, that you know, an established guy that, that is still willing to, you know, move around on the corners, is that, that, that's a good thing too. You know, that, that shows that a guy is willing to do, you know, just about whatever it takes to, to help the team win. And obviously, he, he, I don't think he was in a position to say no, having, what, signing on March 19th. But, you know, it's still, you know, you know it's still, you know, they, they, you know I think uh, – a manager like Francona always treats veteran guys with respect. And I think if he, if Gonzalez had said no, I think he would have been, he'd still be playing right. You know, he'd play right field exclusively. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into some, uh, some reader questions. I know, uh, Hoinsie gets a, a bunch of them submitted. So let's, uh, find out what's on the, the minds of those out there, uh, listening and following along. Okay, this is from Rich from Monterose, California. Do you think Paul Dolan is secretly trying to sell the team? You know, teams often strip down their rosters to make them more attractive to buyers. Uh, Joe, I I don't think – I think if if he was really trying to sell this team – you know, I don't know if stripping down, stripping down the roster is the way to go, but I think, you know, they've kind of gone halfway on this thing. So if he was really going to go that way, you know, if, if you're going to strip down the team to make it, you know, less expensive uh, or wh- whatever, you know, to lower the, the, the 
the price tag, you, I mean, you'd go right down to the floorboards. I mean, right. you wouldn't have Kluber and Bauer and, and Clevenger, you know? So I think, uh, I, I, I don't see that coming. I, you know, I don't think, you know, before, you know, we heard rumors, you know, you'd always hear rumors in, in the previous years that they were looking to sell, they were talking to buyers. But a lot of that was, you know, Paul Dolan trying to find a minority owner. And uh, he's found that with John Sherman. I think they have a good relationship. And I think if he was going to sell the club, he'd probably sell it to Sherman. Oh, well, I can, you know, the, the major uh, reason why I, I would say no, I, I don't think this is the case, is you don't invest uh, 10, 12 million in infrastructure and build yourself a, uh, a baseball academy in the Dominican Republic, uh, you know, build for the future and invest all that money, uh, you know, away from the, the club's roster. To, to turn around and sell the club. I, I don't think that that's, uh, you know, a good business practice or, you know, in, in, in the, in the mind for uh, somebody like Paul Dolan. I think uh, he's in this for the long haul. I think that's an indication as indicated by uh, this week's announcement of that, that Dominican Academy uh, that, that looks, you know, gorgeous. And, and it looks like something that, you know, is going to attract the kind of ball players that they need to, to, to develop and, and keep the team competitive for years to come. Uh, if, if that's something that, you know, Paul Dolan was a, a big part of, then I, you know, I can't see him selling the team anytime soon. God, what a beautiful complex. Jeez, yeah. oh man. I'm, I'm sure the kids that get drafted in the United States want to go down there and play. Yeah, seriously, you know? yeah. I mean, that, it, it's beautiful. And, you know, that is so important to that island and is so important to, uh, you know, just uh, developing players for the Cleveland Indians and, you know, the, the Dominican isn't covered by the draft, uh, you know, so you, you can sign players, you can, it's, you know, you, the, the upper echelon players are still going to cost, but, you know, I remember them signing Bartolo Colon for three grand, you know, so wow. I, I don't think those, those days are long gone, you know, because everybody's got an agent down there when you're 16 years old, but uh, it is a baseball rich environment, you know, the whole Latin American, you know, kind of all those, you know, Panama and, and Venezuela and, and Colombia, they, they can draw all players all from there. They can use that, uh, that facility as a recruiting tool. Uh, it's just a great move, in my opinion. You, uh, you mentioned the, uh, the, the other Latin American countries. Uh, my, uh, my Uber to the ballpark uh, the other, uh, yesterday uh, was a Colombian driver, and I asked him, you know, who his, uh, who his favorite Colombian baseball players were. And he mentioned Edgar Renteria. And oh I God. said, and I, I almost told him to stop and get out of the car because I said, <laughs> you, you know what he did to my team back in 97, right? I was, I was heartbroken because of Edgar Renteria. Edgar uh, I, I, I can still see that ball going off the end of Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Nagy's glove. Oh well, God. Well, that was, uh, yeah, I, I, don't worry. I still tipped him. I still gave him a five-star rating. <laughs> very, very good Uber passenger. Don't worry. Even if you're a Colombian and a fan of Edgar Renteria who ripped my heart out in 1997. All right, Joe, here we got one from Glenn Toplin from Pittsfield, Mich Michigan. Uh, what it, not to beat a dead horse, but would it make sense to bat Lindor cleanly? You've got a, you've got to, you've already got a decent leadoff hitter in Mar, in uh, in in Leonis Martin. What do you think? Uh, you know, I'm going to give you the same answer that 
I've given every time somebody's mentioned, hey, move Lindor down in the order. Uh, you want your best, most productive hitter getting the most at-bats he can possibly get in the season, and that's Francisco Lindor. Plus, this is a guy who's willing to do whatever, even if that means, you know, bunting when he when it's, it's you know, necessary uh, to, to help the team win. I, I think even with, you know, being slowed by the, the ankle injury, I, I still think Lindor at the top of that lineup changes and, you know, makes it more dynamic. Uh, no, I don't see him moving Francisco Lindor out of the top spot uh, at all, not anytime soon. Yeah, and, you know, w- with uh, Santana hitting well in the middle of the lineup, I know, you know, he doesn't have a – historically, he hasn't, doesn't have great numbers when he's hitting fourth and, you know, fourth or fifth. I, you know, I'd say keep him there and let's – you know, Lindor still hasn't gotten untracked. You know, you can still see, you know, you see two or three good at-bats and he strikes out. And some, you know, but I think just wait till he gets going. You know, let's not jump into uh, – make jump to a conclusion here or put him in a spot where he's not comfortable. Yeah, he was only two for five last night. I, I yeah. you know, I, <laughs> again, this is a guy who didn't have a spring training. I know. And it's like, what? Uh, and, and this is, and this guy obviously is saying, this, you know, he's your best hitter. Hit him in the cleanup spot so he can drive in some runs. So, right. and, and that's a, you know, that's a valid argument. But right now, I think you got to kind of stay with what you got. I, I do think changes in the the batting order are coming eventually. Terry Francona hinted at it uh, over the weekend saying that, you know, once guys start hitting the way that we know that they can, and I think he was talking about uh, Jose Ramirez and Carlos Gonzalez at that point, I think he wants to break up the sw- – all the switch hitters that they have right now are bunched up at the top of the order. Yeah. I think he wants to spread things out. I don't know if that means moving Jose Ramirez out of the third spot, maybe down in the order to, to fifth or sixth, which is a possibility. Yeah, but, I think that's a good possibility. And, you know, you're going to flip-flop and put Cargo uh, in the three-spot possibly. But, uh, you know, I other than that, I can't see, you know, much much change coming anytime soon. Okay, we got another one. This from George Davis in, in Maynard. Is Tristan McKenzie becoming the next Adam Miller with, with all his injuries? You know, I – I, you know, I, I think I haven't heard much about McKenzie. I know, I, I believe he's still in Goodyear with the shoulder injury. You know, he had, you know, it was a muscle in his rotator cuff that he'd strained in spring training. Um, but, you know, Adam Miller, I mean, if you remember, Adam Miller, you know, was this guy threw 100 miles an hour. I mean, he had a spring training uh, in, in, uh, when he trained in uh, Winter Haven where he threw like 13, 14 scoreless innings. You know, he was the best pitcher in camp, and he didn't make the club. And that was his best chance to make the club. What happened to him was he had a hole in the the middle of his finger. On the underside of his middle finger, he was pitching in Buffalo at AAA, and liquid was squirting out of the finger. And finally, he called the the trainer to the mound. And so, you know, and then all the tendon and all that kind of – exploratory and, and new wave tendon surgery. It just didn't work out. I, I, I don't see a specific injury with, with McKenzie. You know, McKenzie had what? He had the forearm problem last spring. Now he's got the shoulder. But I think with a young guy like that, um, you know, high school draft pick, what, what Miller 
was I, I don't see I, I don't see the connection yet. I don't see the you know, that was really a freak injury with Miller, and it was right. too bad because you know we we never got to see this guy pitch at the big leagues, and he you know he definitely had that kind of talent. Well, and uh, you know, rumor has it that Tristan McKenzie, uh, you know, stayed behind in, in in Arizona just to to run against Danny Salazar for the mayor of Goodyear. Uh, I think <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the take that I had heard. Now, uh, has anybody heard from Danny Salazar? <laughs> you know, that's it. The two of them have uh, have taken up residence at an Applebee's in Goodyear. That's uh, that's where they're staying now. I, McKenzie, like you said, I think the key to the McKenzie thing is he is young. He he's a you know, right out of high school, and he's, what, uh, 22, 23 now? Yeah. You know, he's he's very young. He still needs time to develop, I, I, or he, he'll still have time to develop. I just you – know, the injuries don't really bother me as much, uh, you know, because he hasn't had – they haven't required surgery. They haven't required this this right. sort of, you know, detailed rehab. These are these are muscular things or, or whatever that – as he fills out, and he, you know, this is a guy who's what, six, four, six, six five, five, and he weighs one hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah, he needs pounds. to put a little more, uh, a little more on that frame, and maybe the injuries will, 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 um, will go away. I don't any- think they're being very, very careful with him. You know, he's their number one pick. I don't think that, like we said, he's a high school senior. I mean, he's drafted. You know, he's been in a big, he's been in the minors like three, four years now, but. You know, there's no need to rush this guy. They don't – they're not crying for pitching at the big league level right now. And uh, when he's ready, he's the next guy in the pipeline, though. But, but I think they just want to be very, very careful with him. All right. Okay, well – got uh, one more. Got one more? Or, oh, yeah, yeah, one more. This, one more. Uh, but I, okay, this, this is from Fritz Johnson from New Philadelphia. It seems like the Indians have a lot of AAA hitters. Who, who don't have a lot of staying power for the big leagues. If if you if you had to if you had to uh, if you if you had your choice to improve things, how would you? How would I? I'm not sure. Yeah, what would you do to improve to improve the offense? Well, uh, you know, this sort of leads into the next question that the, that we were going to tackle in the uh, in, in the the podcast. Here is uh, why haven't we seen Oscar Mercado? So I'll, I'll throw it back on you. Uh, over the weekend, uh, Greg Allen was sent down, and Jordan Luplo was the the guy recalled to take his spot. You know, they they brought up a right-handed hitting bat uh, in a game where they 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 went uh, went up against a lefty in Wade Miley. Uh, Luplo will be in the lineup again today against uh, a left-hander for the Marlins, uh, and I, I believe it's that is uh Caleb Smith left-hander with a 2-0 record 2.17 ERA. Uh Luke will be in the lineup against him. I uh, you know it's a legitimate question. This is Oscar Mercado who leads the uh leads the the organization in in OPS and batting average. Uh what do you make of Oscar Mercado's stay in Triple A? Yeah, you know I you know, I know for uh, when when Lindor was coming up and uh, and there was the drum beat was much louder. It seemed to me because the kid was a, their number one pick. We'd seen him, you know, playing. We'd seen him playing the futures game. We'd seen him, you know, come up through Double A and Triple A. I, I don't get that vibe for Mercado. I know he had a great spring. I know he's playing very well in uh, in uh, Columbus. Um, you know, I wonder can he play a corner spot, Joe? What do you think? 
I, I don't, I don't see why he can't play left field or, you know, I think a starting outfield of Mercado in left, Martin in center and Carlos Gonzalez in right is pretty solid defensively. I, I, yeah. I dare you to hit the ball in the gaps there. Right. And he can run. We know that, uh, you know, I think we're going to see him. I don't, you know, I just, uh, Luplo, you know, they made the trade for Luplo. You know, he was, uh, they, uh, he was, a, you know, he broke camp with them, uh, on, on a 25 man roster. Uh, did he get a fair shot? I don't know, but, uh, he, you know, and then he goes down to Columbus. He's, you know, he's really hitting well. They bring him back up here, try to keep that, that heat, that streak going. But, uh, you know, but I think Mercado is going to be up here. I really do. I, I'm not, not sure when, but uh, I don't think I don't think it's an issue of uh, not starting his clock, his arbitration clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Indians uh, when they need an outfielder, they you know they brought Zimmer up last year, or you know, and started his clock. So I, I don't think they're reluctant. I don't think there's a reluctance they had with with Lindor. You know, Lindor was obviously you know we want to keep him. We want the extra year with this guy. Right. I don't know if that if if, the, if the, I don't know if that 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 is still in place right now. I don't get that feeling. Well, they certainly are enjoying that uh, with Lindor, uh, that, that extra year. Uh, as far as, you know, Mercado goes, I, I think we're, we're on May 1st today. I think by June 1st, we will see Oscar Mercado in an Indians uniform one way or another, whether it's by injury or, you know, somebody else's, you know, struggling performance. Luplo came up, he played Sunday, and he had a hit and a stolen base in his first game. Uh, he, he was, he was yeah. a guy, so, I mean, he, he was a guy in AAA who went down and, uh, you know, half of his hits were, it, it, he filled out that Jordan Luplo profile. Half of his hits were extra base hits. Uh, you know, a couple home runs, couple doubles. Uh, I, I think, you know, like you said, they need to give him a fair chance. And, and Francona said against lefties, he's going to play, but I, I just, I wonder, you know, how long, and the other side of the, the coin here is, uh, Francona admitting that Greg Allen was sort of miscast in his role uh, with the Indians while he was up. I, I think he was terribly miscast, Joe. I really – I felt bad for him. I thought he earned a starting spot somewhere in that outfield from the, from the way he played in spring training. And uh, to put it like – you know, to put a guy with no, virtually no big league experience and to have him be your pinch runner, your pinch hitter, you know, and your utility outfielder – I just thought that was that was asking a lot, and uh, I don't think anyone in the organization should be surprised that he struggled. Well, not just to be your utility outfielder, but to be an almost exclusively right-handed hitting uh, utility outfielder when yeah. he's a switch hitter, and and when really he's he's a better hitter from the left-handed side. So, uh, yeah, he was he was definitely miscast. He was he and you know and he went down to uh, to AAA. He started yesterday or started uh, this week against Indianapolis and. You know, he's to his credit, he's he's hitting the ball and he's 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 gone out there and, and doing what he needs to do. Yeah, he knows. I mean, he was up and down five times last mm-hmm. year. So I mean this is nothing new. I you know, he did make the club out of spring training. That's one thing. Uh so you know, he'll be back up, I think. They definitely need his speed. Yeah, and not you won't find a nicer guy and a more uh more willing guy to talk to uh than, than Greg Allen. He was he was excellent when he was here in in, in the clubhouse with the Indians. Uh, Hoinsey, uh, I, I gotta know, uh, the, the question that's been on my mind since Sunday night, would Hoinsey have survived the battle of Winterfell? I, oh, I, what, what do you, what do you think? 
Because I know you watched. I, I, yeah. I know. I know. Uh, you know. One thing we we saw the the dire wolves made an appearance. I I think Poinsy's connection to the uh, to the four legged friends I think would have helped him survive as as a sympathetic character. Yeah. Did the did the wolf make it? I don't know if he lived or not. Right. Uh, well, we saw him in, in you know two weeks ago, so I gotta assume that they're. He was in the charge. He was charging with somebody. I thought. Well, well, I, I thought uh, who's who's the who's the girl the the, the young prince, prince uh, Aria. Yeah, I Aria. but she's bad, man. <laughs> she's a, she's a she's a bad boy. I wouldn't mess with her when she came out with the uh, with the Ice King or whoever that guy was. The Night King, yeah. The Night King, yeah. Ooh, well, and, and it had to be what Valerian Steel that had. Yeah, that. yeah, it's I, the best I part. Thought, I thought you had to have that the. Uh, the crystal stuff to, to kill the the, the, the dragon glass. Yeah, it's either, yeah. either one, either one, the dragon glass or the uh, the Valerian steel sword. Because uh, you know, back in you know, like three four seasons ago, when Jon Snow first killed one of the White Walkers himself. Well, Sam killed a White Walker with with dragon glass. Yeah. But then Jon Snow killed one of the Night King's, uh, you know, second in commands. He 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 ran him through with the the Valerian sword, and and the dude exploded. So that was pretty cool. But oh, uh, yeah, you know, hey, anything, anytime you're gonna get dragons on screen, I'm I'm down with it. I thought it was uh, it, it was fantastic, great episode. And uh, did you think it was too? Did you think they could have turned the lights on? Uh, <laughs> did you have trouble watching it? I, I read some review that said it would have been nice if we could have seen <laughs> well the, all the whole battle scene. I, I think that the whole point of it was, uh, you, you know, to to keep you in suspense and in. in it's, it builds that mystery and suspense if you, if you can't really see it. I thought it was great that, you know, there was no, there was not a lot of dialogue in the, in, in the episode. Right. The, the performances and the, you know, the, the music and the action sort of carried the episode and the, uh, the actors really only spoke when they needed to. And, and that was, you know, it was sort of like, uh, like seasoning. It was nice. So yeah, I, liked, I, I was glad the dog made it too. Yeah. I, I thought he might get, I thought he might ma- not make it, but he got out of there too. So him and his brother got to have – it's got to be coming, right? The, the big – that's oh. like W-E-E-E or um, they're, they're, somebody's going to have to come off the top rope against Look, look all, all we know is that there is, there is going to be, you know, major death coming. But, you know, that might be in another battle. There, we, we've yeah. got three episodes left. So looking forward to it. Uh, you know, Hoinsey won't be spending the rest of the uh, season in the crypts of Winterfell. It's not going to be an issue. He's going to be out and about. Uh, so we'll, we'll be glad to have him. Hoinsey, uh, we'll be back in town starting this weekend with Seattle. Looking forward to, uh, to a, a, a nice homestand against a, a club that the Indians had some success against and, uh, you know, is, is playing pretty well. Yeah. I mean, and they play better on the road than, uh, than they do at home, Seattle. So, uh, you know, this, that's a dangerous club and, uh, Incarnacion is hitting again, uh, you know the Indians did a great job against them out out at uh, it's not even Safeco Field anymore. It's T-Mobile Park. T-Mobile Park. Yeah, it's so, all pink. What the heck? Yeah. So, uh, but uh, they did a they pitched well, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how how they uh, how they handle uh, the Mariners coming come at at, uh, at home here this weekend. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here uh, this afternoon in uh, Miami, and then we will see you guys. Back home in Cleveland this weekend for uh, for another Indians homestand. All right, Joe. Thanks, man.